Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor Ralph continues in his From Panic to Power series with a message entitled, Standing in God's Peace, will be in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. And as we get into it, in verse 4 he says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. I like the King James Version better. It just says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. In other words, you choose to rejoice in God. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. We talked about this at length two weeks ago, about not being a person given to vengeance, because vengeance will haul you down as, as much or more than it will haul down the person you're seeking revenge on. Verse 6, don't worry about anything. Easier said than done. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. And if you do this, you'll experience God's peace. If you haven't done so, underline that. You will experience God's peace. Which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. And then underline this. His peace will guard your hearts and minds, your intellect and your emotions, as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right. You know, when you're, you're going through anxiety, you fix your thoughts on what you think is going to go wrong. He says, no, fix your thoughts on what is, is honorable, true, and right. On good things. And, and he goes on, things, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And finally he says, what every preacher ought to be able to say, keep putting into practice all that you learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing and the God of peace will be with you. Well, let's go back and see if we can just unpack these words and learn a little bit as we go on from here. He says, don't worry about anything instead. And I want to just stop at this word instead. You know, a lot of times we live lives that are entirely reactionary. We're not proactive. We sort of just respond to whatever goes on around us. And, and Paul is saying, that we can change from that and that we can take control of our, of our emotions and indeed our situation if we will choose to go instead. In, instead of that, I'll do this. You know, don't worry about anything instead. And he's going to tell us what we need to do, you know, what the instead is. We'll get to that in a minute. But I, I, I dug out a scripture out of Ephesians where Paul is talking about the fact that we're in combat. And that it's a spiritual combat. And that he says we're not wrestling with people. You know, so many times the things that cause us grief in our life are some other person. I, I talked to a, a family last night in church. And she was crying and, and bummed out. And we went and I took communion with them. And she was really hurting because she was so stinking mad at her neighbor that she felt guilty for taking communion. You know, because the Bible says don't take communion while you've got hatred in your heart towards somebody. And so she's up there just praying, Lord, forgive me. And so afterwards, I, I talked to them a little bit. And it turned out that, the, that they had gone and built this really nice new fence and that they covered the whole cost of the thing. And, and it's, a, it's a benefit to everybody's property there and all that. And, and then the neighbor comes over and says, you know, that thing is really ugly the way it is, but if you would do this extra to it and build onto it in this way, uh, I'd be willing to pay for that. And just kind of just deflated, you know, everything about her. They were trying to do something nice. And, and so she's just... She's just, you know, and then she's all guilty about it. And, you know, I said, why don't you just do this? Why don't you go take the guy a piece, of, uh, make him a pie. Let's go over there and give him the pie. 
And, she, and you know what? The guy was getting his digs in. I mean, it was real obvious when I heard the story. It wasn't a nice thing he did. And he was getting his digs in. And I said, so just go, go, go do something nice for him. You remember last week we read about heaping coals of fire on their head? Go, go bake him a pie and thank him for his kind offer. And then just tell him whatever you want to say. Whether you want to do what he's offering or not do it. But just, just go, go, go spread love where, you know, do the instead thing. And it says here that our struggles aren't against people. It's against Satan who's motivating the people. And that we can, instead of getting all beat up, instead of giving in to, you know, those wrong emotions that are going to tear us down, we can choose to make a stand. And so the scripture here says, a final word, be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies and tricks of the devil. You know, someone did a, a survey back in the 1960s, and, and they, they, they actually followed a group of people around, and they kept polling them over and over again. And here's what they discerned, that about 92% of what you worry about will not happen. Only 8% will. So here would be a real practical solution. Only worry about the 8% and leave the rest go. But you don't know which is which, right? So what do you do? Well, you learn to stand your ground, and stand against the thing and choose the instead thing. Instead of giving myself to worry and freaking out and doing all this kind of stuff, I'm going to do something that will, if I, if I do it resolutely, will change the direction of my life and put me on a different path. Are you with me? And so it, it, basically what it says for us to do is to mix worship with prayer. Look at the rest of that verse. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. The word worry is actually the word anxiety. If we could go back to the ancient language, it's don't, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be fretting about stuff. Psalm 37 is a good passage to read if you're worrying and fretting and all that and you want to go do a little homework. It's my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. But we, we go on to this instead, and, and then it tells us three things that we should do. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all that he has done. Now, one of the problems that we have any time that we read the Bible or any time that we read any, any document that's been translated from one language into another is that in translating you always have options and, you, and you're trying to get the nuance of the word. And sometimes, you know, I get very frustrated with this translation of the Bible that we use. I, I use it because it's the easiest to read version I could find. But sometimes it's, it's just a little bit too wordy to try to get something across. And sometimes, frankly, I just think they miss it. And, and here's one where they actually missed it. It really would read best if it said, so don't worry. Instead, worship about everything. And then it said, pray. You know, let God know what you need. And then it said, along with, mix it up with thanksgiving. Now, how do I get that? Because it says, as, as we read it in the text, it says, pray about everything, tell God what you need. It sounds like it's being redundant. Pray and pray. You know, t pray about everything, tell God what you need. But if you could actually get into it, in the, in the original language, what it's saying is worship about everything. Well, what, how do you worship about a problem? Well, you acknowledge that God is bigger than the problem, or God is more powerful than the source of the problem. And that you take time to put things in perspective. God, this is bigger than I am. It's more than I can handle, but it's not more than you can handle. You're, you're the, the power behind everything. I understand that you can be in control of this. And that is not to say that God makes evil things happen to you. The Bible doesn't teach that. 
it does teach that God can take the evil things and turn them around for your good. God can make something really good out of something really ugly. And so worship God and honor him. Acknowledge him for that. Romans chapter 8 verse 28, if you're writing notes in your Bible, it says God will take all things and turn around for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Literally, those who love him are walking in his calling. And then it says, tell God everything you need. Well, that's what we think of commonly as prayer. You know, our shopping list. You know, here's the stuff I need for you to do. Now, a little, just a word to the wise while you're doing that shopping list of prayer. Be open, because God sometimes can find better ways of doing things than you can find. But just, you know, I always try to pray for end things. Lord, make this happen, and, and here's what I need in my life. You know, I... This little journal that we give away in this information pack that we give to people who are brand new. Uh, as I as I journal, I don't tend to, you know, I've been I've been in the Bible so long that I I, I don't get a whole lot of brand new insights when I'm reading through the Bible. But in my journal, I, I always keep a, a prayer thing going, and I I date when I write the prayer down because I write them. But then I go back and I check them off, and I date that the, the date that I checked it off, and and I found that it, it really builds my faith. But I. I, I learned to pray carefully and to pray detailed prayers. So that I, I do this thing and then do this thing. And, but then if you want to do something different, I'm open, you know, that kind of thing. And then it says to, to mix your prayers with thanksgiving. And, and everything give thanks. What I think happens, I mean, just at a, at a pragmatic level, is as I am giving thanks to the Lord, I'm humbling myself and I'm acknowledging the, the role differentiation in my life, that he's God and I'm not. There were times in my past when I was up to my eyeballs in trouble, sometimes trouble I caused, and I saw no way out of it, and then God got me out of it. And I'm, I'm acknowledging that there's a partnership and that I'm not really the guy running everything. I, I don't know about you, know you, but I know about most of us guys in this room that we've, we've been schooled to be self-reliant all of our life. And my family came out on the Oregon Trail they were pioneers, you know. But that was drilled into me ever since I was a little kid. Not, not only at home, not only with my great-grandfather, but he went to school, you know. We, we sang songs about the Oregon Trail. And, 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 you know, we knew about those old pioneers and how tough they were and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, there's that whole thing of, I can do this. But every so often, you need to just kind of sit down and realize there's some stuff you flat can't do. Paul says in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so when I'm offering thanks to God, what I'm doing is I'm acknowledging that that partnership is there. I can do all things through Christ, not that I can do all things through Ralph. Am I getting anywhere with this? And so what's happening? Worship God. He's bigger than my problems. Tell him about my problems and what I'd like him to do. And thank him for when he's bailed me out in the past. And what the thanksgiving does, for one thing, is it builds faith inside of me. And you find yourself working your way out of the circumstance because faith rises in you. And you know what? Jesus said, according to your faith, so be it unto you. Faith triggers things in the heavenlies. Things happen differently. You know, I told you two weeks ago when we talked about this in the first installment of this series, I, I talked about the time that I went through this anxiety thing and I had I just kind of popped. And uh, my wife was going through cancer treatment. I was getting up real early in the morning to go down three days a week. She'd go five, but I'd go three with her to the treatment at Queens Hospital real early in the morning so I wasn't sleeping well. I had some monster problems. A lot of stuff going on. 
conflict with an individual that wouldn't go away. I was I was freaking out about everything, and and in, in you know and I got I got medical help and I started to get out of the thing, but there was I was fragile, I was just fragile, and and things would just overpower me. I got so I I, I used to watch the news. I drive my wife crazy with that little TV clicker deal, you know, watching three news broadcasts at one time, and uh, there's Fox and there's CNN and there's MSN. All of a sudden, I couldn't I couldn't handle the news anymore. It was just way more than I could take. It wasn't so much the bad news. It was it was the amount of data that they they're they're telling you something. There's a picture on the screen. There's words on the screen, and then there's a little tape, ticker tape going across the screen. That would that would just set me off. And but but I had problems, and I'd start to just focus on the problems. And I would I would project. You know, it's like playing chess. If I do this, he'll do that, and I'll do this or this or this, and then he'll do that or that or that or that. And I start to project, and everything I would project would come out negative. And so I'd be so just worked up by all this. And in the midst of it, one day I was praying. And I wasn't having a very good time praying. I'd, I'd, I, it was in the morning. I'd read my Bible, and I was trying to talk to the Lord. And I was just, just, uh, everything was down. And the Lord spoke to me. And if you were in the room, I'm sure you would not have heard it. But it sounded like I heard an audible voice. And basically, you want to know what he said? With a little cynicism in the tone. So when did I ever let you down? And I started to just think back to all of the times that I've gotten myself in a jam. You know, the, a couple of times I almost lost my life. And God just came through. And it had to be a miracle. But more mundane stuff. Relational issues or financial things. And, and, and times where it just everything was so menacing. And, and, and so I started to list all the times that God ever let me down. And I couldn't think of one. And all of a sudden, that was a turning point for me. I started to realize, well, if he brought me this far, he can get me through this thing. And see, it, it, it starts to build faith. Here's a companion scripture. It's in First Peter 5. It says, humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and in his good time, he will honor you. It literally says he'll lift you up. You're down in the muck in good time. In his time, not in mine. He'll lift me up. He'll lift you up. And it says, give all of your worries, and the, and the word should be anxieties, to God. For he cares about what happens to you. How many of you think that God loves you so much that he would like to see you lose your job? Or he loves you, actually, sometimes that happens. I talked with a girl the other night. She got fired unjustly this week. And she got four offers in one day. And she, the one she's taking is so far better than the thing that she had going. And she was so unhappy there. It just, it, you know, sometimes I actually think God does that. But, but just, just in general, how many of you think that God would like for you to have to go bankrupt because he loves you so much? Or he would like for the business that you own to begin to shrink and you can't make payroll and a bunch of people are disappointed because they lose your jobs. Or, or how many of you think that God loves you so much that he would like to, to cause your marriage to deteriorate and you have a divorce. Or cause your kids to become estranged from you and, and, and life doesn't work. How many of you think that that's the way that God loves you? See, it says here, he cares about what happens to you. Jesus said that he's the good shepherd. That he comes to give life and to give it abundantly. God says that he wants to cause all things to work together for good. Jeremiah, the prophet, wrote that that, that I have plans for you, and they're for good. 
They're for peace and not for destruction. God means good by us. But every so often, and see, this is where the Thanksgiving thing comes in. We need to humble ourselves. We need to just slow ourselves down and stop and take inventory as an act of, of worship to the Lord and acknowledge his goodness in our life. And when we do that, it just kind of puts things right in terms of our relationship with him. And by right, I don't mean righteously right. I mean just correctly right. We just get it figured out. He's the senior partner here, and he's making things cook. And if I, if I just put my trust in him, well, things are going to work out. And you know what happens? I begin to experience peace. It goes on and says, if you do all this, you'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than a human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We're going to talk in just a moment about his peace guarding our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. But it says that we need to experience peace. And I, I think that we, we ought to be praying for our country. We're at war right now because the world can turn. We need to pray for that. We need to pray for that. We need to pray for our, our island. You know, there's a there's another spade of, of graffiti all over the place. We need to pray about those things. There's some very good news here in these next few words. It says that God's peace, it's in your Bible. It says that God's peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Let's kind of just break this down. When it says God's peace, we're, we're, we're talking about, here's, here's the implication of the word in the original language, a peace that allows for prosperity. Think of all the pictures that you've ever seen of a castle in Europe. Or maybe you've seen of an ancient walled village or city in you know, Mesopotamia or, or in Israel or in Egypt. You know, the, the, one of the things that they've discovered is that the cities of the Middle East are all built on hills. You know why? There were so many wars and they'd knock the, 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 the city down and then they'd rebuild it on top of the old location and it got higher and higher and higher. And archaeologists can bore holes and dig their way down and make tunnels and, and they can go through different stratas of civilization. Very intriguing. But in ancient times, civilization was really built on who's the strongest. It was like gang warfare. People very tribal. And you would go through, you know, the, the Bible talks about the time of the year when kings would go to war. It's almost like talking about football season, only it was when kings would go to war. And, and so they would, they would build cities or, or castles, and everybody wouldn't live inside of the fortress. They'd live outside of the fortress, but when the enemy came, they'd all run inside of the fortress, and that's why that thing was there. And so there was a wall of protection. But God is talking about something bigger and better than that. He's talking about a a peace that can allow things to prosper. In other words, you know, every year or every second year, somebody comes through and they and they tear up all your crops and they steal all your livestock that they can and they rape and pillage and burn and destroy everything that they can do. I mean, life was tough in ancient days. You read history, uh, it's pretty nasty stuff. But But think of there being a prolonged period of peace that would just allow your flocks to grow and mature and multiply and, and, and the crops all to come in and you to get some, some savings and to get ahead. God's saying that, the, that as we do the things we've been talking about, that there will come a peace in our life. So this is more than peace of mind. It starts talking about peace of mind. We just read that. Peace of mind 
peace of heart, your emotions, your intellect. But it's talking about something that happens where God begins to operate in your life in a way that's protective, that allows things to flourish in your life and for you to get ahead and for you to prosper. That kind of peace God is promising to us. It says that it will guard you. And the word to guard means to set a garrison about somebody. In other words, a bunch of troops. You think of a wall guarding you, but you move around. So you can't always stay behind a physical wall. It's talking about God's peace will come like a group of, of soldiers and they'll guard you wherever you go as you live in Christ Jesus. It's interesting, you know, there's so much attention in our culture given to angels in the last 15 years. And, you know, you can go to stores and all they do is sell angel stuff. Little crystal angels and little porcelain angels and little pictures of angels and it's just angel doodads all over the place. And it drives me a little nuts. And one of the reasons that it does is the Bible says so little about angels. You know, what we know for sure about angels is they tend to be large. They're spirit beings. They tend to wear white clothes. Now, if you were an angel showing up today, would you wear a long white robe like they did 2,000 years ago? Or, or would you maybe have a Brooks Brothers snow white suit on or a pair of blue jeans that were all white? I don't know, but they, it, it describes them often as dressing in white. And they're scary. Because as you read through the Bible, almost any time that you read about an angel, the first words out of his mouth are what? Fear not. Don't be afraid. You know? And the Bible clearly is telling us that these are real spiritual beings. The word angelos in Greek means messenger. But it says that they're sent to us to be ministering spirits. So maybe when it says that peace will garrison about you, it means that God's angels will hover around you and protect you. But I'm not really sure of that. I can't totally make that case. It clearly is saying that peace will become a guard around you where you go. Well, that's pretty nice. A peace that brings prosperity will guard me. And it says, as I live in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that mean, as I live in Christ Jesus? Well, in, in John chapter 15, Jesus tells us to abide in him, make our house in him. So what am I doing? I'm, I'm letting his thoughts be my thoughts. I'm letting him be the leader in my life. And as I do that, then there's this promise that something is going to garrison about me and that wherever I go, then I, I'm going to be walking in peace. Now, there, here's, the, here's the thing about living in Christ Jesus. If Jesus is going one way and I'm going the other way, I just walked out of the envelope of peace, huh? I need to figure out where the Lord's trying to go and go there. And I'm not talking about some religious trip. I'm just talking about living life. You know, God wants your business to succeed. He wants to give you wise thoughts. He wants to protect you from, from hostile takeover. He wants to look after you. He wants your family to work. He's, he wants to be there for you. As you stay in tune with him in partnership with him, well, then he's promising to garrison about you and make peace be the, your lot in life. Is this good? You sound so enthused, you're just killing me. Well, let's pray together for God's peace. I want to pray for you. God, I pray for every person in this room today that they will know peace in two ways. They'll know it as an experience in their mind and heart. Lord, in their intellect and in their emotions, that they'll come to a place of peace. Lord, that they'll know how the, the, the seeds of what we've talked about today 
that they can do the instead thing. That they can stand up against Satan when he comes and throws his little thought bombs their way. And instead of giving in to that, they can get proactive and get in control and choose to worship you over their problems, choose to pray to you about their problems, and choose to, to be thankful for the things that you've done in the past so that they will experience peace of mind and heart. But Lord, I also pray for everybody in this room that as they learn to walk in Christ, in that relationship with Jesus Christ, that the peace of God will come and aggressively, actively garrison about them, protect them, protect their interests, allow them to prosper, and move them ahead in this world. Let your peace be our peace. In Jesus' name, 